Hello and welcome back to the Bikes for Death podcast. My name is Patrick and I'm your host. And today we have a very exciting episode. My friend Miles Arbor is back to have podcast two with uh, with me. Uh, the last time we met up was in Elijah, Georgia at the Bike Packing Summit in 2019. And if you'll remember, that's when he performed the Bikes for Death intro song for the first time. Spoiler, spoiler alert. There is a second verse. There's a second verse on this episode. So definitely check that out. Um, it's good. You're going to like it. Very catchy. Not surprised, though. But before we get to the show, uh, please take a moment to welcome our newest patrons that support the show over on patreon.com forward slash bikes or death. You can also find a link on bikesordeath.com. Um, the newest patrons are Ben P, Gabriel D, and I hope I get this one right. It's Balaz B, B A L A Z S, Balaz B, and Graham W. Thank you so much for stepping up to support the show. Um, if you like this show, this type of content, please consider. Um, either donating on PayPal or signing up as a sustaining member on Patreon. It's vitally important to help uh, keep producing these shows. And things are about to get even more expensive because um, I guess this is a good time to announce that uh, big things are happening. Big, big things. You'll know if you've been following along that, you know, in 2019, we had a major initiative at the Bikes for Death headquarters to buy and retrofit a van so that I could take it on the road and start interviewing guests one-on-one. It's been a dream of mine ever since I started the podcast. I'd even in the beginning committed to only doing in-person interviews. Obviously with COVID, that's uh, not possible or um, yeah, that's just not possible. So, um, but that's all about to change. Starting next month, Bikes or Death and Van or Death are going on the road, and we're going to be doing in-person interviews again. So my first trip, I'm not going to tell you who. I'm not going to tell you who the people are because you're just going to have to wait, but I promise they're good. I'll tell you where I'm going. Next month, I'm headed to Las Cruces, New Mexico, then uh, headed up to Tucson, Arizona, and then back over to Santa Fe, New Mexico, and then down to Texas. It's going to be a 2,500-mile trip. I've got three confirmed guests trying to secure the last fourth guest, and I'm going to be knocking out three or four interviews in four days and traveling 2,500 miles. From from Texas to Las Cruces, it's 12 hours, then it's like five to Tucson, eight to Santa Fe, and uh, then 12 back home. So I've got a little window of time between um, dropping the kids off at school and having to pick them up on Monday. And this is what I made the, this is what, why we got the van to be able to do this. Um, now I know that COVID is still a real thing. So let me just address that real quickly. Um, I have reached out to all of these guests and let them know that, you know, the protocol will be I will get a, a negative COVID test right before I leave. And then I will quarantine in my van 
You know, I'm completely self-sufficient. I got a little kitchen, bed. I don't need anything else from anybody except for gas. I got a huge Yeti cooler I can put food in. Um, So there's no need for me to be uh, really interacting with people or going and and doing much of that. And really, um, I'm fine just sleeping in my van at a, at a, you know, rest spot or a trailhead or or wherever. And then all of the uh, interviews are going to be conducted outdoors at distance. We're not going to be hugging, kissing or touching. Um, So just normal COVID protocol rules in this new, new world. But um, I've got a, a podcasting trip scheduled in April and I've already got another one lined up in May. And the plan is to just hopefully do one a month and, uh, and put that van to use, get on the road and start bringing some really high quality content, podcast and guests to you. So there hasn't been a lot of traveling. The cost to operate Bikes for Death has been relatively minimal, you know, quote unquote minimal. <laughs> Uh, my accountant thinks I'm, I'm, I'm crazy. And, uh, but you know, what do accountants know? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you know, uh, it's going to cost money to get on the road. Um, your support has got me here. And if you want to help bikes or death, get mobile, get on the road and really start bringing some really amazing content to you, please consider heading over to bikesfordeath.com. You can find, uh, a link to Patreon. You can find a link to PayPal. And uh, if you want to you wanna buy some merchandise and rep the lifestyle, rep the gear, then that's great. You get a little swag and we get a little dollars and it's all good. There are no advertisers today. This show is brought to you by you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting when you can. It really does mean the world. You find all the details over on the website. And if you can't, Just sit back and enjoy the show. No pressure. I still love you. It is time to get to the show. I know you're excited about this one, and so am I. But one last note. If you are listening to this show and you would like to watch it, that is now an option. On the website, you will find the video there in the podcast section, or you can head over to YouTube. My YouTube channel is Patrick Farnsworth. I also have Bikes or Death but I don't know how to like merge the accounts. And so if anybody knows how to do that, I haven't ever been able to figure it out. But uh, for now, everything is is uploading to Patrick Farnsworth. You can actually watch this one uh, if you want to see my face or Miles' face or both of our faces in addition to our voices. That's available now as well. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to do some more video going forward. We've been uh, working on this in the background and uh, got some more fun stuff planned for you fine folks out there. All right. Well, that's it. Without further ado, let's let Miles Arbor take it away with the Bikes or Death theme song. You load up your bike, you ride away from home. You could be with your friends or you could be alone. You ride for a day or maybe more. Just love being in the great outdoors. Everything you need is strapped to your bars, including that new pillow you got from Santa Claus. And then you think, oh shit to yourself. You left that super lightweight tent on the living room shelf. Bikes. All right, so I wanted to catch up. Um, I think hopefully people listen to our first episode because I, I listened to it again. Are you listening to it back? I'm listening to it right now. <laughs> no, the, no, the last one. 
Yeah, in this year. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's impressive. Um, so yes, how do we I, sound? We sound good. But yeah, okay. I did. I have listened to it again. Um, it's, um, I don't necessarily go and seek out my episode, but it's fun just listening to older episodes yeah. again on bike rides. Is what I well, the doing. reason I listen is mostly just to remember what we talked about. You know, like I remember... I remember a lot of it, but I mean, it was an hour and a half conversation, I think. And I didn't remember all of it, you know? And so it, that's, that's, I always go back. If I'm doing a repeat, you know, interview, I always go back and listen. Um, so hopefully people will go back and check that one out. Cause I thought it was good. Um, but also I just wanted to kind of get the continuation, uh, of your story. Um, so we, you know, to set the scene, we were, uh, met up in Elijah, Georgia, for the bike packing summit and that was in 2019 and you and Emily were in your van doing a little tour um, from Canada down to uh, North America and uh, we met up there I drove up and you drove down and we met in Georgia and uh, then from there you came to Texas and we did some riding and stuff so um, I don't know do we want to I kind of wanted to hear the rest of the story so to speak and then come to present day a little bit yeah Let's um, do it. Yeah. So we left Texas. Then we went. Before well, we leave we got, Texas, can we say, I wanted to know what you thought about Texas. It was. And, and, uh, and maybe in particular, Big Bend. I know you spent time there. So that's kind of one of the crown jewels there. Yeah. Or here, I, I should say. Honestly, Texas was kind of what I imagined. It was like, just like sprawling, very big. Everything was just like big. It was hot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It was Sweaty, nothing really surprising. Yeah. People, yeah, people were friendly. I don't know. Nothing really surprised me. We didn't spend, that being said, like we came to your town, right? College Station, and then we fixed the, uh, the van window shield because remember right. that tornado through yeah. a branch at our That was window, wild. At our window. So that's, and then we kind of, hung out at your house for a bit while we fixed that. And then, um, Luna. who's that? That's Luna. <laughs> oh, she just tooted. Oh my gosh. That's why I call her Luna tuna or, or Luna Puda. It depends. <laughs> Golly, she's a stinky one. Sorry, man. Yeah. You're fixing your, yeah. fixing your, we're fi- fixing it. And then we fixed that all up. And then, um, and then we record, didn't we record another podcast while I was there? We did the intro and outro, oh, yes. I think. Because yes, you were right. like, if I'm going to be in the middle, I like to also do the intro song and the beginning, uh, something along those lines. <laughs> and, uh, and, and and to continue on with that, you actually wrote the, uh, the like, this show notes and everything. So oh, yes. basically, you, you basically produced that whole thing. You wrote the song. <laughs> you like, this is well done. Yeah, you're hired. <laughs> and then... Uh... So we went, we went to Big Bend, which was really cool that we, we kind of just went in there. I did a big bike ride one day on, I think I was on a, the Bear Claw Bo Jackson that I was reviewing. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. And then, um, and then hung out in there a little bit with the van and then made our way, started making our way out towards the, uh, West Coast. I don't, I don't know. My memory is really bad. So like yeah, the places, the, the places I went, 
and the things I saw, there was definitely a lot of them. Um, <laughs> but it's I hard know. to keep track, man. I mean, if you're like, I mean, you're on a huge road trip covering the entire, you know, not the entire, but a large portion of the United States. I have a terrible memory for that kind of stuff. So I can, I totally sympathize. Yeah. It's, um, well, let no, me, I, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. I was just going to ask, I guess, you know, one of the questions I was, I was curious about is now that you've done your tour of, of America, and I believe that was your second, second go at it. Um, uh, do you, is there any like favorite parts or anything that did stand out to you that, um, yeah, I'm curious, like there's probably some hidden gems we don't even know about. Um, oh, that's a hard one. Is um, it? yeah, it is. Cause there's just, everything was so cool. Like yeah. what I think, um, at the beginning of this trip, we went through Montana and, uh, that was, that was like the most surprising terrain for me. Like I didn't, I didn't have any sort of expectations and it, it blew us away. And also there's a lot of like old historic towns uh, where we went through that were super cool. Um, trying to think of what, where else we went. Colorado. There's just so much. Colorado kind of reminds me in BC of BC in a lot of ways. Yeah, just like there's so much like so much stuff going on and like different types of terrain. So that's, I think, uh, I think I need to spend. Utah? Yeah, Utah Did is cool too. Did you spend any time there? Um, n- not a whole lot. Okay. Um, I spent most, like when I first rode the Cocapelli trail, that was my first time in Utah. And it's definitely like, well, the thing it's cool too. Everything's cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's why you do it, right? You go, I mean, you're looking for all the cool spots. And so, yeah, I guess that's a good point, man. It's all, I think well said it is all cool, man. That's kind of the fun of, of doing it is, getting out and, and finding all the cool places, you know? Um, so I'm glad, I'm, I'm glad that there was a lot of cool places. Five, <laughs> five stars, four and a half. What do we, do you want to rate it? America? America? <laughs> <laughs> no, please don't. <laughs> please don't. Oh man, never mind. <laughs> no rating. So, uh, how, like, how long from when you got off of this, trip back to Canada land and until COVID hit ish. You remember? So we, let me try and remember. So I started work. I went back to the bike shop I was working at and started on boxing day. So that's when I needed to be back. That's right. So then I started work and then honestly, it wasn't too long. It wasn't too long after that when like, like a couple months yeah, yeah a couple months when covid started like getting on people's radar oh, and then yeah. mm-hmm. right we were like oh it's like it's yeah, something mid february i feel like is when i became a little bit more aware of it and then i think it was march whenever it was like lockdown here i don't know canada but yeah here yeah i, th- I think it was a similar timeline we okay. were um, because my I have like a compromised immune system with my Crohn's and the Crohn's medicines and stuff. Yeah, I was pretty quick to be honest to like get out of the bike shop, um, which was like maybe a little bit selfish of me. But I was just like, eh, there's no point how, taking how your risk. What was your employer just depending on you, or we were just? It's just a really tight team. So is that a is that a bike shop that we're working at? That we were just like we had like a very like well well lubed machine and everything was just like. We were selling bikes yeah. everywhere. People were stoked. 
customer service was great. And uh, so I, I felt bad because I was like, I had some investment in that. But they, um, they certainly probably understood and respected, you know, that you have to protect your health. And Oh, yeah. It was no problem at all. Yeah. yeah. So then we actually rented an Airbnb for about a week. Oh, no, there's a part. There's a I'm missing a part of the story. So we were house. We were house sitting during this time because that's what we were doing in between the van life gig. So because of COVID, the homeowners were traveling down in Mexico in their van and then they didn't want to get trapped down in Mexico in case Trump closed the border. Yeah. So then they, they, I think they got from like down somewhere in Mexico, like Northern Mexico, all the way up to British Columbia in like three days or something crazy. So they showed up, they checked, well, they emailed us a few days before they showed up and they're like, Hey, we're coming. (laughs) So we, we had to kind of leave the house Yeah. and we, we rented an Airbnb and then at this point, and this was still like early spring, we didn't know, Emily and I didn't know what to do. We were like, we don't really want to keep on renting this Airbnb because that's silly expensive. Mm-hmm. We don't really want to live in the van during COVID because that's, it just doesn't seem like a smart move um, because we rely so much on public services public, and like yeah, you- washrooms and stuff. Um, and like, even just like small things, like we can't hold a lot of, food in the van so we'd have to be going like to the grocery store more often so we decided that wasn't really an option and then honestly like our most realistic choice at the time we were thinking of just driving back to Ontario and spending uh, COVID days with our family in Ontario Yeah. but to be honest I didn't really want to spend I didn't really want to go back to Ontario because British Columbia is pretty cool <laughs> so I put out a uh a question to um, just like people on Facebook. I was like, hey, anyone like have a rental or something on the coast, like in British Columbia that we could like rent for the next couple months to see what happens. And then um, my good friend Cheryl reached out who I met through the BC Epic 1000, that bike race route across BC. Mm -hmm. And she offered me up a a little home of hers on Vancouver Island. And that's where we spent all of COVID is okay. uh, in a little home on Vancouver Island in Parksville, British Columbia. And are you still there? No, that we were there for a good six months though. And then, yeah. And then you just moved into your rental over a little rental. Yep. Yeah. We left there and then packed everything into the van. And then now we're renting on the Sunshine Coast. So if Vancouver is down on the coast side of things, to get to the Sunshine Coast, you have to take two ferries and you can either go to Vancouver Island, up Vancouver Island and across back to the Sunshine Coast, or you can go kind of like up the coast and it's still two ferries. So in Powell River, which is where I am now, it's like a pretty, it's semi, it's not really remote, but it it feels remote because you're two ferries away from Vancouver. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I've just been, hanging out here now i'm curious like you went i I was thinking about this like you went from like i i don't i don't know i mean you tell me exactly but i'm picturing like close to ultimate freedom in that you have this van you have a job emily have a has a job that allows you to um travel and in fact your job with bikepacking.com is to travel and anyway, but yeah, I mean, so you went, um, 
from the situation where I mean you could kind of you would kind of go and do almost anything you wanted to and your jobs were allowing you to live that lifestyle. Um, you went from that to lockdown. And I guess I'm just curious, like how that's been. Yeah. Um, honestly, it's been great. I, I had we had no problems with, uh, like the initial COVID kind of lockdown. We, uh, Although, like, living in the van definitely, as you said, like, has its perks. Like, we were kind of just zipping around wherever we wanted to go for the most part, uh, biking lots and seeing a lot of people. It's also, like, super tiring and, uh, like, not always as simple as it sounds when you're, like, working full-time out of a van. Just, like, every day was, like, another mission to go find, like, Wi-Fi we could use or... Or like somewhere to go poop in the forest. It's like, <laughs> it's like, and I, and I have Crohn's as I've mentioned, and hopefully yeah. everyone knows by now. Um, <laughs> and like my Crohn's has like not been as good as it has been in previous times. So like there's times where like, I don't have a very big window of opportunity to get <laughs> to where I need to go. Yeah. So, so honestly like lockdown for us has been great. Uh, in in Parksville, we were you have like a toilet. We have, you know exactly where it is. You've timed your routes to get there from all parts <laughs> on the property. I've, I've downloaded the root files ahead of time. Yeah, you got the app <laughs> to guide you. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like a little like van yeah, life. That's, is what, super, that's what I was yeah. wondering. Like, I I guess I could see it going both ways. Like, it's like a real nice like. You know, I've kind of felt, um, especially in the beginning, I really felt um, that kind of like, I mean, in some ways, you know, obviously what's going on is like crazy in the world, but the idea of like being forced to stay home and to just kind of take care of your family and just kind of hang tight, like it's just kind of like let you catch your breath a little bit because, you know, you're on the go and I'm on the go pretty much a lot and um, th- that's just kind of how we are, I guess. But, um, c- to kind of be forced to, to like hunker down a little bit, I didn't mind it at, at first. It's starting to kind of, you know, wear on me for sure. But, uh, you know, it was, it was nice. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm the same for sure. Um, I think like what I miss the most is like the social interactions and just being able to be like, Hey, like who wants to come on a bike packing trip? Or like if someone if someone on the other side of British Columbia messages me and they're like, Hey, here's a route or something. Do you want to come do it? I could be like, Oh yeah, let's go do it. Cause I have the van, but like we can't really all we use the van for now is like getting groceries once in a while. Yeah. Um, but it's a little bit different situation in, in Canada versus uh, the States too. Cause we, there's like no non-essential uh, travel in British, like within British Columbia. And especially cause I'm in a, like a rural community Right. We're supposed to pretty much just like stay in here. So, mm-hmm. so like I haven't really like hung out with anybody like in a house like this entire time. And I haven't really like, yeah, like there hasn't been yeah, a lot of like social. with anyone in a house or hardly any God, yeah, social interactions are yeah. Yeah, very, very rare. Yeah. But yeah. well, that actually, um, that segues into uh my next question i wanted to talk to you about the riding that you have in your area because um i mean if anyone follows you on instagram uh, which they should 
best Instagram account on Instagram. <laughs> Shout out at Miles Arbor. <laughs> um, no, man. Uh, but if anyone follows along, I mean, they'll see like it, you live in a very, very beautiful place or just if they're familiar with that area. Um, but I know you just came off like a little overnighter uh, like yesterday. Yeah. And uh, I know you get to do a little bit of writing, but, you know, with Instagram, we only see pretty pictures. What What's the writing like? What, what kind of writing have you been doing up there? Yeah, so it's uh, it's very lush here. So pretty much any trail that you're on in Powell River, it's going to be blanketed with moss on either side of you. So it's like green, vibrant moss and like j- just old man's beard hanging from trees everywhere and stuff. It's, Beautiful. Like, it's, it's very pretty. Um, it's also like very wet and like kind of like mild for the winter. Like it, it rarely go, goes below freezing. So we don't get a lot of snow like in town and in the mountain bike trails, but it's like it's grimy and like wet and muddy. So the winter was like kind of hard for me because it kind of takes a little bit of, like of energy to like, okay, I'm going to go ride in the rain. Um, but like the trails are super fun. They're rooty and rocky and like rarely smooth um perfect place for like plus size tires and big chunky tread um yeah it's and I mostly, leave. <clears throat> go ahead oh uh, like are you mostly uh riding single track y'all got gravel out there like what kind of what kind of terrain i mean i know you kind of described some of it but is yeah, that mo- all single track um during the winter it's been pretty much all single track because you, you can't get very far out on the gravel roads until you eventually hit snow Mm. Uh, but there's like, yeah, there's, there's, I, there's tons of single track around here. Like I just, I've been trying to plan some like longer single track, just rides like day rides. And I was trying to make like something 50 kilometers long leaving from my house. And it's like very easy to do. Like I don't even go very far away from my home. Yeah. And then, uh, there's all the logging roads. Cause this is Powell river is like a logging town. That's why it exists. Okay. So there's logging roads that go so far back into the mountains that like that some of them, like we don't even know where they go. Just actually <laughs> just the other, <laughs> I just, like the that. other <laughs> just the other day, uh, Justin and I, Justin works at the bike shop uh, here in Powell river. We were kind of like brainstorming ideas on where we could ride on our gravel bikes. And uh, we found like notes of this old uh, forgotten like town place. That's like up, down this road that doesn't exist anymore and then oh, wow yeah and then it leads to this lake and we're trying to get a boat ride down the lake um, oh wow yeah so a little so, bit of an, a mystery adventure huh a little pioneering uh, trip a, li- a little bit of mystery adventure is yeah. spot on <laughs> i like that that well that I've, I've mentioned it before but that's something that's kind of uh lacking is uh, <clears throat> is um uh, uh, the ability to really have adventure like you've heard the saying i'm sure adventure starts when things go wrong you know mm-hmm. because you can plan for almost everything all the information is out there so yeah really to like be able to find something like that um uh, is is neat and you're just like hmm i wonder what we'll find you know yeah I, yeah that's cool i, I wish i, love, I could I go i'm jealous <laughs> Soon, all- maybe when are y'all gonna try to pull that off once it, the snow clears all, out? Yeah, the snow's clearing fast though. It's been pretty mild, so um, I think Justin gets his new gravel bike in maybe next week, and then mm-hmm. 
we're probably going to start trying to get out there. Although I tried to ride up that gravel road last week and I got up to like 600 meters of elevation and it was pretty snowed in. I was, I was kind of pushing my bike for 45 minutes or so in the snow. And then I was like, eh, I'm not going to make, I was trying to do a loop mm-hmm. here from my house, like out into this mountains and back a little bit. And, uh, the snow stopped me in my tracks, but I don't, it'll be clear soonish. Soonish. Yeah. What, uh, what gravel bike are you riding or what? Yeah. That, uh, that ride was, on gravel? yeah, that, that ride was actually on the Esker Jaffe that I'm testing just cause I knew I'd probably hit snow. So I wanted yeah, some no, big tires. Familiar with Esker, they bought the Haydu company, right? The, yeah. So they kind of like rebranded. It was usually Advocate. It was before Advocate, it was Advocate. Yeah, yeah. Advocate Cycles. Right. And then they bought them or rebranded or something. Yeah. Okay. And, but I'm not familiar with this particular bike. Yeah. So the the Advocate Heiduki, uh I don't even know how you pronounce it. Heiduk? Heiduki? It's Heiduk. It's from, Heiduk. Uh, yeah, it's from, are you, are you familiar with... Uh, Oh, Edward Abbey and Desert Solitaire, Desert Solitaire, and actually, that's um, I have the book over there. Uh, it's a, anyway, most people will know it. Uh, but are you familiar with Eddie, Edward Abbey? And these are characters from a book that he wrote. No. Okay, so that's uh, um, he he was a um, eco terrorist. Um, he would do things like. Uh, they they would always like pull up survey stake markers like in national parks or something. If they went out there to like survey something, they would pull up all the markers so they wouldn't you know they wasted hadn't have to do it over again. Or they would pour I think it was sugar into the gas tanks of all their heavy machinery equipment and it would it would destroy them. And uh, so he he was a real like eco terrorist, really fighting to preserve um, natural places. Um, and so Desert Solitaire in particular, oh, it's Monkey Wrench Gang. So um, I'm I'm embarrassed because I actually have a Monkey Wrench. I have a Monkey Wrench Gang tattoo on my thigh um, <laughs> because um, I'm obviously a, a big fan. Um, not saying we should go do that now. Um, but I, uh, I certainly uh, can. Uh, if you you need to read his material, you know you can't. It's not one of those things where be like, well, he was fucking blowing shit up and doing this, and um, and and truth be told, he wasn't exactly like a great guy. I mean, you can imagine, like he apparently had like I don't know a few different wives and kids that he wasn't you know taking care of, and he was a drunk, and you know, so maybe not a role model, but. Uh, <laughs> that's uh that's that's where the names come from uh hey duke is is a character um in that so there you go there you go <laughs> um so yeah the hey duke is <laughs> the, hey, the esker hey duke is a now they updated it so now it's a 27.5 plus hardtail steel hardtail uh with i think 140 millimeter travel front fork and there's obviously you could like change it up, but that's how they sell it as a complete build. Um, and then the Jaffe was released uh, this winter, I think just late last year, as a kind of a 29 plus option. So it's a 29 plus option, and it comes with 29 2.8 tires and 120 mil travel fork. Uh, so those are the two hardtail bikes in their lineup right now both steel mean bike packing machines so those 
<clears throat> so basically, like, you're just riding whatever bike you're test riding right now. So, like, you don't have, like, you know, your gravel bike that you're like, oh, I'm taking this bike. You're just kind of riding whatever bike you're reviewing. Yeah, pretty much. It's just, like, yeah. it's easier to kind of get into that mindset, too, because then it also allows me to ride the bikes in a bunch of different terrain. Because, like, yeah. if, if people are going out on a gravel ride or something, um, although I haven't ridden with, like, a group in a pretty long time, but if, like... I don't know. Emily wants to go on a gravel ride. I'll just bring whatever bike I'm reviewing at the time. And there yeah. you go. I usually end up taking some photos anyways. <laughs> oh, for sure. I mean, I think that's a very valid point that, you know, the, not everybody has five bikes, right? Like you might have one bike that's, that's X or Hey Duke and, or, you know, and maybe that's, and I've done it, man. I've, I've certainly done that where I don't have the right bike and you just, you make it work. Dude, my first, you know, I've mentioned it many times. My first bikepacking trip was on a carbon racing road bike with 28C tires. And, you know, and you rode a lot of the roads we did on the gravel roads in Sam Houston. So, you know, uh, but it, yeah, so I think, I think that's a really valid point and might as well make you, make you a better rider too. Yeah. Just yeah. go for it. Just go for it. Have fun. <laughs> What I was I was curious. So, what is a uh, what is an overnighter look like for you? Just use your one that you just got off of as an example. How far did you go? Where did you go? Uh, and and like, do you just uh, produce try to produce content and and not produce? Well, I mean, you're doing your job. I shouldn't say produce content, but I mean, are you? It's kind of like a work slash fun trip. Yeah, they're they're always. I would say they're like fifty percent work and fifty percent fun. Yeah. But the 50% work kind of cancels out because it's pretty fun. Yeah. So maybe it's 100% fun. But <laughs> um, I always, I usually, so I, I've kind of changed. Usually I try and like, I get really focused on like the big epic trips and stuff and try and plan things with people. But that's not like, that's not happening this year. Right. So, so now I'm focusing on just getting out more often. So, um, I know I could still get to over Texada Island, which is kind of like a neighboring little island just just off from Powell River that I can take a direct ferry ride over there. And then I don't have to stop anywhere. I can end up at a little campground and then bike back. And like it was fine with COVID kind of restrictions in place. So and I knew the campground had been there before. And the main reason I picked there is because I know that when you buy their firewood, they give you a bunch like a big pile. Like it's like a, it's like a wagon full of yeah. firewood and it's kind of cold. And I knew I needed a fire to stay warm, but it's very wet here. So it's hard to start a fire unless you actually have dry wood. Yeah. So I just picked that as a spot. So it was, I was going to ask you how you got the firewood. I, um, well, I mean, I knew you'd answered it. <laughs> no, I, I, uh, I, I think harvest, harvested it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was picturing you. Uh, no, I wasn't, but I did. I did notice that you had firewood, so I, I feared you were saying it's some kind of like a state or some kind of park. You know? Yeah, uh, yeah. It's just easier. I think um, sometimes I take it too seriously, bike packing, and I think that I need to like head out deep into the forest and like eat just one instant oatmeal pack and be cold and yeah. miserable where it's just like sometimes you just got to go to a campground so you can have like a warm fire and a picnic table yeah. and like nobody was there. So it's pretty much like I was backcountry camping. 
<laughs> I I feel like there's a lot of value in that, and I I think um, most people can't do the the big, large, grand adventures, whatever you want to call them, um, too often. Maybe only once a year. Maybe you know who knows. But um, I think there's a lot of value in just doing an overnight or trip somewhere local, and just for fun, man. Just to get out of the house and hear some nature and uh, enjoy a man. I always enjoy a fire, man. Oh yeah. I, it's yeah, so I, good. I used to never have fires bike packing. And then when I was, um, when I was doing my South Chilcotin trip with, uh, RJ Sawyer, this, that was this summer, um, in BC, we had fires every night and I was like, yeah, this is super fun to do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised you went so long without fires for me. That's a, you know, you can't always have them, uh, depending on where you're going, but if you can have a fire, I'm a hundred percent burning. I'm burning baby. Yeah. It's, it's nice to when, when it's allowed, of course when it's allowed. Yeah. Ellen, the Ellen one Chief. we're doing this weekend, we still don't know. Uh, the park actually just opened, uh, back up. So it's pretty limited capacity and, uh, we just don't know if they're going to be having a fire ban or what yet, but Anyway, either way, it'll be a good, good trip. It's a rails to trails for just for anyone listening, and and for you, it's a, uh, it's an it's a state park, Caprock Canyon State Park, and what it's really known for is uh, the buffalo. They have like I think the highest population of, of buffalo. Cool. Um, so you get to see I and I've never seen buffalo um, up close or. Not that I'm going to get too close, but you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> I think I've driven down the highway once and be like, is that a buffalo? You know, uh, uh, what was it? Oh, and then it's like a converted rails to trail. So it's like 30 mile rails to trail uh, and 30 miles back and a little camp and it's supposed to be real pretty. I've seen lots of pictures go through like slot canyons and stuff like that. So perfect. should be quite nice. I'm looking forward to it. Nice. Yeah. Let's uh, talk about uh, your job a little bit more. Um, you got you got a promotion, right? Since the last time we talked, yeah, I guess you could call it that. Well, I mean, yeah, <laughs> what <laughs> you went from I think I'm like a part time to full time or something, right? Yeah, so it was kind of um, it was more like project based. It was like which was kind of like part time work for me um, with bikepacking.com, and then. Really, soon after COVID hit, uh, Logan offered me a full-time position with the website, which, uh, yeah, which has been awesome. Tell us about it. Yeah, I mean, if you don't mind, like, I, I'm curious, like, what uh, what your job is? What do you do for bikepacking.com? I'll give you a normal day, a normal work day for, for me. Um, I wake up at, like, 6 o'clock usually because... Really? Everything publishes, we publish everything on Eastern Standard Time Okay. at 8 a.m. So you, if, I'm, if I'm smart, I'm going to get up nice and early. So like, because things change, people are commenting already, stuff is happening. The day has begun. So I've got to be awake. Um, the day has begun. The day has begun and I'm awake. So <laughs> I'm, I'm there kind of like dealing with the morning stuff and uh, together with Logan Watts, who's the founder of Bikepack.com. And Lucas Winsenberg, who is uh, our main editor and also is in charge of the Bikepacking Journal. The three of us 
are logged in and are kind of doing the morning routines. Um, and then, so kind of, is that uh, you know things are popping up, and uh, I'm assuming you know Logan or Lucas is kind of delegating. Okay, you tackle that. You tackle that, or yeah, pretty much just like that. Yeah, where things are if things pop up, like someone sends us a like a last minute press release, or or we have to move something around the schedule. We're all kind of communicating yeah. to see what happens. Um, I had that happen last night. I published a, a like a little post, and someone you know they email me and they're like, "Oh, hey, you know this and this," and I'm like, "Okay, you know, you go and do it real quick." Yeah, that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, and then. Um, Trying to think what else is going on. A lot of emails. So I'm always, I do all of the event recaps still and like publishing events on the website. And I've been working a little bit more with like guest contributions and stories and stuff with people and um, route submissions for the website. Yeah. So I'm just like shooting emails back and forth with people. Um, when uh, recently, because of COVID, there haven't, hasn't been like any sort of like media events in the bike industry and in like the outdoor gear industry. So I've been having like phone calls and FaceTimes with like uh, companies in the industry that are like, maybe you want to talk about a new product or just like sometimes they just want to meet you and say hello. So I've yeah. done, done a few of those recently, which is kind of fun. Well, meet and greet virtually. Yeah, yeah, just just a meet and greet. And then, <laughs> um, and then I try and plan my day because usually I have to take some photos of some gear at some point during yeah. the day. Yeah. So like I have to plan my day like, oh, is it going to be rainy? Am I just going to work on my computer all day and write some stuff, answer some more emails? Or am I going to like get out for a ride or maybe even sometimes it's not even as glamorous as that. Maybe I just have to like go into the backyard and like <clears throat> take a photo or some yeah. macro shots of some product that I'm reviewing. Um, so it's like, a lot of my work happens in the morning until like, I don't know, six till 11 or 12. I'm like pretty just sitting here on my computer. I try and get out in the afternoon if I can. And then, and then because everyone else, because of the time difference, everyone else is going to bed and I am kind of like the last man still standing. So I, I usually do some work in the evenings as well. I'm usually on my laptop, um, double checking that things are ready for the morning that we have like kind of like our schedules all cleaned up and yeah, uh, yeah any kind of last minute things. That's, That's also a good time to like catch up on uh, like news that the other guys have might have missed. Ah, get the scoop, the late night <laughs> the scoop. Late night scoop. <laughs> <laughs> Is it fair to say that you have uh, the best or one of the best jobs in the world from our perspective <laughs> I, at least? I don't know. It's like, although it's like a very, um, like I'm super grateful to have this opportunity. Like there's always like negatives, like no job is perfect. Um, sure. I spend like, like a lot of time sitting on my laptop, which is yeah. like, it's like cool. Cause it's still like bike related, but like, that's not very glamorous really. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, it's super fun though. It's super fun. I'm like super fortunate to be able to play with all these different gear and different bikes bike reviews and gear reviews. And I, I love communicating with all these different people like bag makers. And we, like we just published an article today on a tangle foot cycles, which is like a newer bike company in Vermont, uh, which is like super cool talking with James and, and that crew. Yeah. I'm um, not familiar with them. Cool. Love to check yeah. it out. Yeah. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's a very rewarding job, but it definitely, um, I'm 
there's no there's no real weekend. Like I, I work seven days a week, um, and and like my days are long. Um, so this that reminds me, we had a couple questions about gear questions. So we should. I want to get to those before I forget. We had a couple people uh, ask. Actually, only one was a gear question. I think a couple of people asked about shoes. That's it. What what shoes should everybody buy? <laughs> um, so I guess <laughs> that's a big question. What shoes should everybody buy? Uh, because Nike, I don't know Nikes? if we're yeah, <laughs> flip flops. Yeah, Crocs. We're both team Crocs, baby. Yeah, Crocs are great. If you want to just start off small and work up from there, just start with a pair of Crocs. Um, I think depending, so there's two different ways you, well, there's a lot of different ways you could go. Um, <laughs> I ride, mostly I ride clipless. Um, so I ride clipped in, which kind of uh, narrows your results a little bit, although there's tons of clipless shoe options out there. Um, I've had I've had crazy good luck with the, uh, the Giro Terraduros, um, which I think uh, I think they're renamed now to something else, but uh, that's okay. And um, <laughs> I, I, I'm curious I because I'm wondering if it's the same shoe I use. I can't remember though. Those are, aren't those the Privateers? Privateers, that's what it is. The, Privateers. How do you say it? The Giro, Gyro, something. One of Gyro. those. I have the lace-up ones. No one asked me, but that's what I've been... That's what I use. <laughs> I, I think it's just... It's a matter of finding something that's like comfortable for your feet. Um, has like tread that's not going to fall apart when you're pushing your bike up things. And uh, and I think something that like dries out nice and quick is like a nice feature to have kind of no matter what route you go in. Sure. Yeah, I think I was curious how you would answer a question like that because I, I struggle to... I don't like it when uh, you read a review and it's like, this is the definitive shoe. No, or this is the bike or what, you know, it's not, there is no, this is the, this. So um, yeah, it's, it's tough to answer those. You really got to find what works for you, but you can't say, I mean, I've been using these pine. What are the privateers yeah. for several years now, two years maybe. And they, they're great. I mean, they've been yeah. really, really good. So yeah. They're, they're, they, yeah, they make good shoes. The and I researched it. It's um, the Terraduro, which lasted me a bunch of years. Got bad rep because the original um, release of those had like some delamination issues. Yeah. But then just recently, they replaced those with the Ventana, which looked pretty good. There's like a boa closure, and it's can can hike around and stuff. Um, I will say, right now I'm testing a new shoe from Specialized. Um, that has yet to be released and it will be in the next few weeks. Today's March 4th. Um, that's a flat pedal shoe. That's like meant for hiking and biking. And mm. like, it's, I think it's their first shoe designed with hiking in mind. And it's, it's a been hike a bike shoe. It's called a hike a bike shoe. And it's Is been it great. really, no. <laughs> oh man. They're but missing a boat on that. I mean, like H and B something like that. HB. <laughs> I mean, come on. It's been great though. I, it's so grippy on my pedals. I honestly sometimes I have to like peel my shoe off my pedals. Oh. Right on. There you go. Good info. Let's. The next one is uh, your thoughts on vintage bikes coming back. 
And I think you got <clears throat> you got a little vintage action, uh, new new vintage bike, don't you? Oh yes, um, I have a Kuwahara Cascade, late nineteen eighties, I believe. <laughs> and how, and uh, what, do you, what do you think about it and this whole this whole global trend of of nineties and eighties uh, mountain bikes really coming back hot? Hot fire. They, yeah, I think it makes so much sense because, and I think just think it's a good thing because the geometry is like a little bit weird, but if you can put like a different, usually all they need is like a different set of bars. That's like something a little bit longer and like raise it up a little bit. And then you've got yourself like very similar to like something that's like a gravel bike in today's standards. So you can rip around um, all sorts of trails on them. Um, they're cheap. They're usually like indestructible and they're super cool looking. Uh, and they make great like basket packing, like commuter bikes. Yeah, so, that's yeah. yes. Well, I, I was going to say whenever you finished, uh, that my idea that I've wanted is a, is a basket bike just for around town, man. I really need it's so because it, maybe I just want to go take a shot of a product, you know, or something. You know, maybe I just want to go take a picture. I do pictures too sometimes. <laughs> And maybe I just want to hop on my bike, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's I, fun. Yeah, That's I like it. it. And and the uh you're restoring an old bicycle, man. You know, you're recycling or upcycling, whatever that's called. That's upcycling, right? Yeah, exactly. And especially yeah. I think it's um it's kind of like a fun way to ex- for people to experiment um this year because it's like hard to get bikes and it's like hard yeah. to get stuff in general and it's like another way just to kind of like just like pick up something old, maybe buy a few parts from like your local bike shop and like get rolling. Um, yeah, and just learn. a fun way to make, yeah, and a learn. lot of people are learning. Uh, that, the only time I ever learned anything about bikes was whenever I built one. And this was back in, well, I guess it was early 2000, something like that, but it was a 90. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, you learn, you learn a couple of things when you actually put one together. You're like, Oh, okay. I, Oh, you'll learn some stuff. <laughs> you'll learn one or two things, maybe. <laughs> or you'll die. It's bikes. <laughs> or death. Podcast. <laughs> that, that's so good, man. What a great touch. <laughs> Was yeah. that impromptu, that podcast part at the end? Um, Do you remember? I, I don't know. I, maybe. It might have been. I, don't, I honestly don't remember. Yeah, it was good. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely was then. Yeah, yeah. So I think everyone, most people are pretty aware of and probably intimately aware of bikepacking.com. Um, but I'm sure there's people out there who maybe aren't as familiar with it or maybe don't visit it for what, you know, I don't, I don't know, but, um, I thought there might be some value in just, if we could get like an overview of what bikepacking.com is, it's obviously an amazing resource. Y'all do, I mean, y'all do tons. Um, but let me, maybe in your words, like what resources are available for people when they, uh, when they visit Bikepacking.com is like, we're trying to be like the go-to resource for everything bikepacking related. So uh, from bike reviews to like in-depth gear reviews to news and new products. um, And then even the event coverage is something we're starting to do more and more of. Um, We're just trying to make it like a one-stop shop for like inspiration and resources uh, for people to go bikepacking, whether you're like been doing this for years and 
you don't need the term bikepacking in your life, but you're still into it, or you're just you just bought yourself a bike and you're trying to get into it for the first time. Um, yeah, we're just trying to trying to create like meaningful, unsponsored content and like with like a high quality photography and stuff to go with it. Can you talk about unsponsored content? Um, I, I can talk about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious. Uh, I mean, you didn't say content. You said unsponsored content, which is a, a distinction worth maybe mentioning. Yeah, it's um. so nothing, no gear reviews we do or bike reviews or even like a press release on a new multi-tool that we publish. No one's uh, paying us to do that. So we don't take any kind of like money from companies to make content uh, just to benefit them, which I think a lot of people, not a lot of people, but some people still think that like we're doing like paid kind of like promotion stuff for companies. And, I, and it I isn't. thought you did. Yeah, we don't. Until like three seconds ago. I just, I mean, I, I, I didn't, and I never like thought anything bad about it or anything, but I just assumed that was kind of the way that the, the market worked or whatever. Yeah, no, it's, um, we have, well, we've This is good. We can set the record straight. Let the people know. <laughs> Let them know. It's a, that's important, though. That's it. That's it. <laughs> that's cool, though, man. I mean, respect, because uh, I'm sure uh, Logan Lucas could, uh, could if they wanted to, um, charge, you know, if they wanted to. Yeah, it just, I think... As soon as you do that, um, although like I'm still pretty new in the whole like writing publication world, as soon as you introduce like sponsored content, uh, you can tell because obviously if something is sponsored, like we're not going to tell you the negatives um, of like a product or like what we didn't like where the um, our website, we kind of like the whole structure allows us to be very honest with people. So the, the one thing like that kind of like makes it tricky is that like we don't talk about products that are complete garbage. So we don't, we wouldn't bring in a bike that like doesn't make any sense for bike packing and isn't like worth anyone's time. So you're only going to find like pretty decent stuff on the website and stuff that like we want to write about, but it's up to us. Like it's not, um, yeah. No one's well, telling us to do anything. Yeah, that's and that's the way it should be. I mean, I you know, from my perspective, um, the what you hear is what I want you to hear. I mean, I'm going to talk to the people that I would like to talk to and share. You know, I mean, I don't want to be in anybody's pocket because I have to. I have to be here and and do this or whatever. So, I think that's cool, man. I certainly, uh, yeah, I think gobikepacking.com. Okay. I didn't. I wasn't a big fan, but now I'm like kind of kind of warming up to y'all. Actually, <laughs> I was like a little on the fence. <laughs> no, I mean I'm a huge. Uh, I'm I'm very familiar with bikepacking.com, obviously, and a and a big fan. I mean I don't I don't know if that's right, but I mean I utilize it extensively. I mean it is like an encyclopedia uh, for bikepacking information, and I like what you said about how. Um, there's a, well, there's a lot of diversity. It's not just like, well, we're just doing this like one thing. I mean, you're doing events and you know, the article article that came out, uh, by Jesse Daddio, yep. uh, about the radical women in bikepacking history, uh, just came out, which I really, really enjoyed. I know a lot of people did. Um, 
Jeez. Just there's just a lot. Oh, and and like the beginner stuff too. Like you said, like the 101, the the how to, all the way up to like crazy routes and stuff in faraway lands and everything. I should I should probably also mention. Please. Um, and Neil Belchenko is now doing um yes. like our YouTube YouTube channel. So we have like we're pushing the YouTube channel pretty hard, um, which has been really fun. And we also have um like close friends and guest contributors like uh. Joe Cruz is kind of like always sneaking around behind us doing some work. And there's Cass there's Gilbert. J- Cass Gilbert is obviously always publishing these wild Jess, roots. Jess Daddio seems to do quite a few. Yeah. Yeah. Jess has been helping out with some great articles. She's a great writer and she's like super personable. So she can, she's always meeting people and yeah. chatting with people. Um, yeah. It's been, yeah. There's, it's not just, although it's a kind of like, yeah, a small team in the mornings doing the nitty gritty stuff. It's, um, it's really like the huge community that makes it happen, right? Like yeah. a lot well, of the content is made by other people. Um, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because I certainly wanted to point that out, but before you move on, we move on. I just wanted to like you, you said something about how you wanted bikepacking that want.com wants to be like the one-stop shop for everything. And I think that it's worth mentioning that podcasting is off limits. Actually, <laughs> I was going to start. I was going to start a podcast tomorrow called "No, uh, no a no, Minute." Can't a, have podcasting too. Damn it! A minute with Miles. Got it. Damn it! You could do it here, man. You, I'll host you on on my show. We'll. Uh, it'll be a segment. <laughs> Fine. I know. I know y'all are going to. When does it come out? <laughs> I'm just working on the press release. Yeah. Okay. No, no, no plans for a podcast. So, <clears throat> yeah, I, I, yeah, there, so y'all have like regular people that like contribute to the podcast. Um, but you also have, and this is what you actually work on particularly is, uh, you're open to user submissions of routes and races and events, right? Yeah. So this is an area where I actually kind of wanted to spend a little bit of time and, and talk to you about it specifically because it is kind of one of the things that you're um, specifically in charge of. So you, uh, yeah, you got a better pulse on it than, than most people. Um, so let's start with routes. Um, you know, I've, I've submitted, uh, a route and actually I've submitted two routes. Uh, one of them was published and the other one is TBD. Do you, have you heard? Do you know? No, I haven't. Is okay. that the latest one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That'll happen. <laughs> okay. Sweet. So there, <laughs> that's, that's, that's a good point is that we, we get a lot of submissions. Yeah. And so, um, Sometimes things don't happen as quickly as you might imagine they would, um, but it eventually happens. I mean, I guess the question I just wanted to set up was, is uh, what are you looking for? I'm sure you get tons and tons of submissions, um, but I thought it would be like a good opportunity to just share what kind of routes stand out, what you're looking for, and give people some tips on, yeah. Submitting a successful route to bikepacking.com with okay. Miles Arbor. So right now, if um, if you're kind of thinking about submitting a, a route, it should be it should be an overnighter because overnighters are 
are by far the most popular kind of options that we publish on the website right now, because for obvious reasons, they're just easier to do. Um, they're way like logistically simpler. Um, often like right now you can't really travel very far. You shouldn't be anyways, kind of like away from your home. So if you can find like a little overnighter nearby, it's just like nice and simple. So, so overnighters, you don't want to drive three hours to go do an overnighter in a, in another state or something. One, it kind of defeats the whole purpose of staying quarantined. And two, it wastes the, like no one wants to drive and do that shit. Yeah. And then, so yeah, it's, and they're all just submitted through our website. And there's, we originally like the first kind of submission form is pretty basic. Like, how many days do you have some photos? Um, it's pretty basic stuff. And then we end up kind of reaching out for more information. But when like, if you were thinking about designing a route of some kind, um, I think the best thing you can kind of try to think about doing is mixing in interesting features that aren't just, it's not just like a ride to a campground and pack. So whether that's like, um, some sort of like cultural or historical like relevance um, into their route or just like really cool landmarks um, or like really fascinating views. It can be, it could be anything. Um, it's just kind of like picking those cool elements that stand out that make something more than just like a bike ride down a gravel road and make it so like something that like people are going to talk about or like you're, you're going to enjoy telling people about. Yeah. What about uh ground truthing it? Do you ever run into an issue where uh, someone submits a route and then find out later that it actually doesn't go through or maybe trespassing is an issue? Yeah. So actually, yeah. I mean, you know, whenever you and I did the, you know, people may may or may not know, but whenever we did the Sam, we did the Sam Houston restaurant tour together for the first time. I had ridden like ninety something percent of it, maybe, but we we got ourselves onto a little bit of a, a private property situation uh, unwittingly, and uh, so yeah, I mean, you know, it, it can it can happen. Um, yeah. Oh, it can happen. Oh, it's, it can um, happen. <laughs> and um and I think that's that's the other part of it is like if you're if you're willing and wanting to submit a route to the website and you think it's worth sharing, um you kind of like you kind of own it to yourself to become like the master of that route and like just like embrace it. So that's like ensuring that there's no private property issues, like even if that takes like calling, I don't know, whoever you need to call to figure that out and like do do a little bit of research. Um, get into it. I, for me, that's like that's like one of the most enjoyable parts about bike packing. It's just agree. like sitting down at a computer and getting maps out and trying to figure out like where I can and where I cannot go and like if if there's a trail here and who owns it. Um, and then that also means like kind of being more familiar and aware of the terrain you're riding on. So if there's like um, any kind of indigenous land that you need to sort of like understand a little bit better than doing your research and seeing kind of like who owns that land and if you're allowed to travel on it. Um, yeah. Cause the last thing that anyone wants to do is like send people to go trespass. Yeah, exactly. That's, there's a, a level of responsibility um, to put out a good route that, you know, goes and you're not going to get people into a, a, a negative situation. 
it kind of reminds me of uh, that route that you were doing. I don't remember which route it was, but you showed up at the campsite and the guy threatened you with a gun. <laughs> yeah, that but was. That, in, but that wasn't yeah. like that was like a published route, right? That was like an established route, huh? Yeah, that was that was like that was sort of like a, a one-off freak accident. Um, but yeah, like it can happen. Um, and it's like, and even if like you're not comfortable. Like it's, you don't need to like go show up at people's doors and like knock on their house and say like, Hey, can like, I bike pack through here. But <laughs> it's just like asking around usually, especially if you're doing something local, like someone's going to know. Um, and in a lot of scenarios, if, if you can find someone that knows they might even be open to letting bike packers use like the trail behind their house. Right. Um, yeah. And yeah. I have to be honest, I've never even considered that strategy here in Texas. I just, I mean, not not only because not only do you have to get permission, but you would have to get a, a key to the lock to, to their fence. And nobody's going to give you a key. Like, it's not just like, oh, well, we're riding through. Everything is a fence here. So I've never even, I've never even bothered trying with that, unfortunately. But, in a, you know. Luckily, a lot of people don't live in Texas. <laughs> Just saying. Uh, okay, so routes. Is, that sounds pretty good. Yeah, it, I think the other part of it is photography. Um, yeah, good point. I, I don't think you have to you have to like overthink this. It doesn't have to be like professional grade photography. Cell phones are getting really dang good these days. So like an, a newer iPhone taking photos um, is going to be just fine. And then, and it just kind of like bring back to like knowing every aspect of the route. So like having the information, so, well, that you've ridden the route, obviously, and then being able to recommend like a certain type of bike, um, where to camp, where to get water, any kind of permits or permissions that you might need. Um in the end, like we just want more more overnighters specifically to be submitted. So, like, even if you have any questions, you can always like just reach out to the website or myself, and uh, we'll point you in the right direction if you need some assistance. Cool. What about? <clears throat> so you also do events and races. Um, I, I guess for events, uh, you wouldn't really say, well, what kind of events are we looking for? I mean, I guess maybe bikepacking related. Actually, maybe that is, you know, what kind of events do you uh, host? And um, I'm, the other question I'm curious about is, like, what is the, are you seeing like a huge increase in the amount of events? I mean, obviously it's weird with COVID too. So I don't know. What are you seeing with all the events going on? Yeah, it's... um. So pretty much our events calendar is built up of uh, like group rides, um, races, which are, could be in a group, but they're like categorized differently, um, like workshops and clinics, and then um, like screenings and video kind of things. So majority of our events are either group rides or races. And um that's that's from everything like we're starting to do more like even like shorter gravel ride like races and stuff um as well as like grand depart kind of rides like like the tour divide for example so and they're all over the place um i actually i have some stats yeah um yeah i just wrote this down a while ago actually which works well so what was it in we launched the events calendar in 2017 we had 85 listings 
2018, we had 150. In 2019, we had 205. In 2020, we had 230. Um, I think that would have been higher if COVID didn't hit because a lot of events were canceled. Yeah. And then in 2021, we already have, we're pro- well, we're well over 200 now listed for 2021 already. Yeah. And, and I've seen actually, it's kind of weird. I would have expected there to be like less events submitted, um, which just, there's a little submission form on our, on our website. Um, I would have thought there would be less, but there's actually like a lot of events, like local events are popping up, um, but they're restricting the, the athlete pool to like just nearby people or within the state or whatever. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I wanted to, uh, something popped in my head that we completely forgot to mention the, uh, the bikepacking journal. So uh, I think it's definitely worth. I'm a member. Um, actually, do you know, I got a my? Uh, I need to update my credit card, uh, my debit card on on y'all's website. I got an email, um, <laughs> so I need to renew mine. Uh, but I'm gonna be a member again soon. Um, <laughs> so for people who don't know, I think that's definitely worth plugging, and the magazine and everything. What is so, it? The Bikepacking Collective, right? Yeah, so the Bikepacking Collective is our, it's like a paid subscription service to the website. And it's its one of the best ways that you can show your appreciation and support for bikepacking.com. Um, so, and you get, a, you get a lot of stuff. So you get two, so there's a, two printed annual copies of the Bikepacking Journal, which is a massive, um, I don't have one, but it's okay. It's somewhere else, but it's a massive printed, full color journal with a bunch of really high quality stories and photography um, that are like pretty much some of the most like inspiring uh, stories you'll ever read that are exclusive to that journal as well. Um, the, the quality of the the magazine itself, the, the, the paper, whatever you want to call it, I'm not sure is just, is also like really good. The packaging yeah. it comes in. I mean, it's just like, it's, it's, it's top notch from the second you get it from the packaging to, you know, the content you're just, there's not anything like it um, that I'm aware of at all. Yeah. And, it, and it's cheap. Packing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it, so and cheap. Is it $68? 68, uh, per, 68 per, per year. Like that. Yeah. So you get two of those journals every year and then you get put into our bike packing collective giveaways, um, which we're doing all the time. And like, sometimes you're winning like, hundreds and hundreds of dollars worth of gear potentially. Um, and you just names get thrown into a hat every time pretty much. Yeah, I was going to see how we could rig it. Um, so I could get my name cause my name hasn't been drawn yet. So I'm just kind of waiting on that. Yeah. If you, um, if you have a beard, you can't win. Oh, <laughs> it's a mustache then for me, I'm afraid. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's um yeah. So the yeah the bike packing the rewards. Ger- yeah, the rewards, and then um there's also like some deals as well. So we have like some kind of like perks um, yeah, specifically for right. I can't remember all the companies, but there's a lot of them that have like a, a standard like ten, fifteen, twenty percent discount, um, that kind of stuff. So yeah. yeah, the main thing is like the magazine for sure, and also I think what you said in the beginning is really showing your support for all the things that we talked about. That's, I mean, that's what I wanted to talk about is like, it's such a huge resource. Everybody's using it. Y'all are the biggest 
y'all are the only game in town. I mean, maybe you're not the only game. You know what I'm saying? You're the biggest, biggest for sure, by far. <laughs> it's a great resource. And so, uh, yeah, it's a good way to to show the support for bikepacking.com. And then they give you really great stuff too. So there's everybody also, wins. There's, um, I'm allowed, I got confirmation that I'm allowed to tell you that Ooh. we have um, bikepacking collective um, exclusive merchandise coming. Um, and it's looking hot oh my gosh i always wondered why y'all never did merchandise because the branding is always so good you got the people that would buy it you know but that's so smart to do it for um for collective members that's smart because then it makes you feel like you know well you don't feel like it is like you know not everybody can get this yeah it's only good. you can get this only you <laughs> can do that yeah damn i wish i thought of that that's a great idea <laughs> really is yeah. no but that's cool i'm excited i'll definitely get whatever i'm gonna be uh, rocking the gear faux show <laughs> yeah that's that's exciting yeah okay cool when's that dropping do we know yet um it should be it should be soon it might even be might be next week we might talk about it so it'll i don't know when this is going to be published but um could be soon can you say like uh, what can you say? Shirts, hats, like what can you say? Stuff like that, yeah. Stuff, like stuff that? you can, stuff you can wear, stuff you can use. Oh, okay. uh, it's gonna be, yeah. We're working. We've, um, yeah, we're gonna probably do sort of like a springish launch because I guess it's kind of spring now, and um, we'll do a fall launch as well. And uh, yeah, there's gonna be some good stuff. It's gonna be Smart. so if you're if you're not a bike packing collective member, you'll want to sign up because you probably won't be able to get any if you're not because there'll there'll be some extras, but not enough for everybody. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Smart. Sign up now. Create that FOMO. You know, get in right now or <laughs> I don't told get you. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I what do you think? Twelve seconds sold out on everything max. Maybe. Maybe. We were gonna talk about races. So the last, uh, yeah, basically the last thing I wanted to talk to you about was a problem that I'm having and maybe other people are having too. Um, and that's that I've created a route in East Texas. Um, that's right now it's about 390 miles and it goes through Sam Houston uh, utilizes uh, quite a bit of the Sam Houston restaurant tour. Actually, I like those roads and goes up to the Davy Crockett National Forest and comes back down. And it starts and finishes in Cut and Shoot, Texas um, at the Bullet Grill. So very Texas themed. And uh, I'm excited about it. I think, it's, I think it's a pretty good route. Like we don't have a ton of... Um, we don't have a ton of public land, public land, you know, in in Texas. Uh, we either have some in way west Texas and Big Bend area, or we have um, in East Texas, which is closer to me. So, yeah, that's kind of what I've been working on. And uh, yeah, I just my the dilemma I've been running into is I have a route, and I just really don't know what to do with it. Like, I know I can go to your website and I could submit it, but I don't know like if I should charge or not. I know some people do, some people don't. Um, you know, limiting participation 
like how how you do that if you like how you get sponsors uh legalities like all all this stuff all this stuff like i don't know how to do anything i feel like i feel like i had this idea that i was just going to create a route and like put it out there but the more i think about it you know you got to think of like lodging you know where people are going to stay and yeah make sure like it's the same thing as a route if you're going to put on an event you want it to be good like you want people to have a good time so what do i what do i do I think um, I think the main thing you have to decide like right off the bat is if it's going to be an organized event or a race or if it's just going to be a, a, a route that people happen to show up on the same day and ride. Okay. Um, so you let can me, think... Let me say, can I just say this real quick? Like, yeah. my goal is to have an organized race. Like, I, I have some stuff built around it and I... I'm I'm trying to go away from like a super racy theme and make it more of like a big fun, like an epic gravel, like a just a huge gravel loop and maybe more fun and less race. But anyway, I'm I'm leaning towards that. But I would like to know, uh, you know, could you tell us like the distinction between the two? Yeah, I think I think that distinction is important because as soon as you charge people to come to an event or you have like a a day and a time and like a start location and you're like sharing that publicly. Um, that's when the legality behind like what you're doing is actually like pretty important because if like somebody gets hurt, it could come back on you. Yeah. Um, and I can't speak to like the actual like legality or what the process looks like, but I definitely know that that's why a lot of events will stick to kind of like a group ride show up and and like they say, here's the recommended start time. So it's all, it, there's like a lot of like, um, a lot of important details that go into that. And to be honest, like some of the people organizing some of these bigger events, uh, especially like events in the States where some of these people have been doing it for a number of years now, they can probably speak to speak to this. And I could, maybe I can even uh, include like a list of people that have like been doing that. Yeah, um, I have a I have a call scheduled personally tomorrow with Brandon Pack to kind of talk to him through through what because they I, I know you're familiar about it. And obviously, you can only speak to your own experiences, but um, yeah, I, yeah, this is this is good stuff though. This is kind of what I was hoping for. I like it. Yeah, and um, and because he's with he's working the Arkansas High Country Race, correct? Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's a good example of like taking it to the next level and they've like partnered with the city of Fayetteville to host the event. So now they have like the city on board. So then that opens up, um, like they probably have like lawyers and stuff from the city. Like if they need any kind of like legal issues taken care of and like media and stuff, it's all covered. Um, or even like, if you think of something like, although the tour divide is like a very big event and like most people know about it, it's actually like, there's not much, like they're not putting you up, like in lodging or anything. And there's not like even like start numbers and like, there's not like there, no one even knows who runs it. Does anyone run it? I don't know. And then, um, and I think that's like, that's the simplest and like most um, pure form of like bike pack racing is just like show up at like 9am and you do your business and uh, there's no medals at the end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's true. That is the most pure. Oh man. Yeah. As I've um, thought about it more, 
I'm leaning more and more towards the, uh, especially maybe like this year in the beginning, just the first year, um, to just say, Hey, here, here it is. I'll, you know, come and come and ride bikes and, uh, do it that way. And might even be a, a good thing and get feedback from people and then kind of build it from there. You know, you know, that might that's actually be a pretty smart idea. That's what I would do. If I was, yeah. if I was organizing events, like if, I guess this could be useful. If, if, if I was organizing, organizing events like this summer and I was allowed to, and it was all good, um, I would just make like a start date and tell people to show up and give them the root files. Okay. Um, cause then you can, maybe you have somebody with a camera that can like take some photos or maybe some of the riders are taking photos and then you use that information and like, um, like how many people showed up and use that information to build it for the next year. Um, and then, and then it would probably be a lot easier to kind of approach, like, I don't know, maybe you're going to approach some companies for some giveaways or something at the end, or I don't know, something give, give away a bike <laughs> or death. <laughs> That's free. <laughs> That's free. Um, yeah, dude, I, I feel like actually, um, I feel like way, way better about that. You know, the pressure of putting the whole thing on was starting to get to me. Um, and just thinking about all the stuff, like I'm going to need like people to help me. I can't do it all. Um, so I think, and, but I think the overriding thing is one, it takes pressure off. Yeah. But then, um, I really like the idea of people actually getting out there and writing it and giving me feedback and be like, yeah, this is good. We should do something here. Or be like, no, this is maybe not. Maybe make it better here. Maybe, you know, it's probably not trash, but maybe there's opportunities to make it better. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Always get better. The, get the people involved. Always better with the people, Miles. That's what I think. <laughs> I found that the bikepacking community is quite great of the people. <laughs> Quite good. good. <laughs> of which you are one of them. Oh, thank you. Dear Miles. Um, I'll announce something real quick. Uh, bikes or death hot news, if you don't mind. Uh, I, uh, what? Well, I'm trying to remember. The, yeah. So I recently, like as of yesterday, I think, um, confirmed uh, the first like bikes or death mobile podcasting studio tour of some places and meeting people in real life and doing interviews and stuff. So, um, I'll, t I'll say where I'm going, but not who I'm interviewing. And maybe people can guess if they want to for now, but I've developed a plan the the van is really perfect because you can self-contain the, the the whenever i i mean i didn't know covid was coming but the whole idea is being able to travel cheap and like not spend a lot of money because i don't have a lot of money and and go and talk to people and uh but it allows me like all i got to do is get gas i can take my big yeti cooler and have all my food and you know because i'm only going for like four days so Here's the plan. I'm going to get COVID tested, a negative test, like right before I leave. And then I'm going to self-contain in my van. I'm going to drive to, I'm going to drive straight. It's 12 hours to Las Cruces. I'm going to spend the night there in somebody's driveway. No, no, no one houses. Uh, then we're going to do an outdoor interview um, the next morning, then drive to Tucson interview outside, then to Santa Fe 
interview outside and then drive drive home and nice. uh so i'm doing i've got like like i've been coordinating with people and watching like the travel restrictions and i i'm not going as i'm not trying to be a crazy texan here you know still <laughs> uh i i really have been taking it seriously like i can't i'm too busy i got kids i can't i don't want to be sick i don't i don't want to get the covid so uh i'm trying to take stay pretty safe but um we'll, we'll you know we can the cords on the microphones are freaking long so i talked to everybody and said hey i'll get a negative test this is what i'm doing and uh and everybody said yeah so i'm like super pumped because um that's i think i don't know i don't even know what today is but like in a couple weeks i think i'm gonna leave uh on that for the first first road trip in a while that's exciting i'm i'm really really excited Super That's the whole excited. point of the van, too. The whole point is it's been the whole point of the podcast, Miles. I mean, that's the whole thing from the beginning. Since the very beginning, I said I only want to do inner in-person interviews. Like I was really committed to that, you know? And I still like I, I don't think I can do a hundred percent in person because there's tons of people that I can't talk to, I want to, you know, but to, to the extent that I can, I'll freaking drive all over. And then I got another one planned. Uh, the following month to go to uh, Kansas and then uh, Northwest Arkansas and uh, and do the same thing there. And so I'm going to start probably once a month just doing these little little uh, little trips and picking up some interviews. Nice. I'm all for that. Thanks, Miles. <laughs> I wish if I can drive to Canada and one day I will be able to. I'm going to drive there. I'm not kidding, dude. I'm coming there. Um, and I want to, I want to see what it's like to be Miles Arbor for a little while. We've got you, but just, uh, I just, I live vicariously through you, um, where you live looks (laughs) pretty sweet. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not really hunkered down in the same, same type of situation as you are (laughs) to say the (laughs) least. (laughs) Okay. Bye. Okay, see ya. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say something. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, I think that is good. Did you have anything else that you wanted to talk about or anything, my dude? I don't, I don't think so, really. Well, it's always good to catch up. I'm sorry it was so long, but I'm glad. I'm glad. And I actually was. You actually uh, brought up the the miles thing, but I was thinking. I think it would be fun if you ever wanted to do a, a segment of a minute with miles or something and we could just do, I don't know. I mean, we could come up with some ideas or whatever, but if you ever wanted to, I think yeah. it could be fun. Do you, I'm, yeah. all, I'm all ears. Yeah, Pro- probably. I don't see why not. <laughs> well, my, well then I am too. So just like a brainstorm, some ideas I like, I think about stuff, but you know, um, my thing, my like thought on stuff is like, well, if, I don't know if you're interested, then I'm not going to like spend too much time thinking about it because it might be silly, but. Just be honest with me, Patrick. I thought I was. <laughs> I was being pretty <laughs> honest. <laughs> I want to be honest about knowing what hat that is you're wearing. Topo Designs. Oh, you grew out your hair too. I need to get a haircut. Look at this mop. Oh my gosh. Sexy. I mean, I actually sort of look like go- the true mountain man that you are. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, dude. Uh, well, uh, the last thing I want to mention is that uh, people should 
like for real check out your instagram i think it's great uh you you're like in my opinion i don't know you're you're a good photographer like i enjoy your photography i'm curious uh like do you feel like you've gotten a lot better um at it because it seems like you have but uh, yeah i i've definitely i put a lot of time and energy into my photography um and like uh logan and lucas have also like we were all learning from each other um they've they've passed on their knowledge to me and uh and like i don't yeah i yeah i spend a lot of time doing it and it's not just like a fancy camera that gets it done like i've kind of like an old heavy camera actually if anything but um yeah yeah thanks do, thanks do man you, yeah no i well i you know i mean that's that's what attracted me to instagram beginning is just looking at good bike pictures i mean for me that's that's like 90% of it a lot of times, <laughs> not 99% of it. Uh, so yeah, I, I recommend, uh, at miles Arbor on the Instagrams <laughs> freaking employee of the year with bikepacking.com. <laughs> it's true. You're going to get a huge bonus. I could tell after this interview, man, or fired. It, it went good. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks, amigo. I always appreciate it. Stay safe up there in Canada. Um, same right, right on back to you, doggy man. All right, bro, broski. Over, over and out. Over and out. All right. <laughs> oh, my cat's on the computer. Get off. Goddamn cats. All right. I hope everybody enjoyed that episode. I know that I did. And I want to thank Miles for coming on and sharing music, sharing wit and humor, and sharing some knowledge. Uh, Miles is a a great dude, funny guy. His mom thinks that we could be the same person. So there's that. Maybe that's why I like him. Uh, (laughs) You know, he also works at bikepacking.com. He lives in a beautiful place and and gets to go and do uh, pretty cool things, has a really neat job. So it's always great to check in with Miles because he's got his pulse on the beat of the industry. Let me tell you what. So thanks again, Miles, for coming on. And uh, let's do it again soon. Why don't we, eh? All right, everybody, that is it for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, I have been, it's been a little bit slow going here in the beginning of the year, but uh, do not fear. You may not be seeing a lot of action, but on the back end, I am working very hard, ramping up. We've got the rest of the year booked out. All of my episodes are booked through June, and the goal is to start releasing uh, podcasts every Wednesday at 5 a.m., every Wednesday. So we're going to try to get organized, going to try to get real serious, and deliver the hot podcasting content that you want on a weekly basis. Because I love you, and you love the show. All right, everybody, one last time. I'm going to ask you nicely. If you could head over to Bikes for Death and find a way to support the show, support this kind of content, means the world. I'm just a little independent podcaster trying to um, trying to make it, you know, like, like we all are, just trying to make it one day at a time. All right, everybody, thanks for listening. And until next week, go ride your damn bike. It was the middle of the night. You grabbed your knife and you held it tight. The sounds of beasts. 
and your bike Memories forgotten from the previous night You rode faster than ever before Was it your imagination or merely folklore? Fear turned into strength as you pushed further Every pedal stroke stronger and firmer Your bike feels weightless, your legs aren't tired You think to yourself just a few more miles Bikes, more death Bikes, more death